0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to How to College for First Chance, our podcast where we get together with some of our friends to talk about what it's like to be a first-generation college student. My name's Norma, and I'm happy to be back with y'all. Happy Mother's Day to all of our awesome mothers out there. Today, we are celebrating all of you and all of the support and love that you've given many of us throughout our journey, as our journey could not have been possible without y'all. Today, we have a special episode highlighting first-generation college students that not only had to navigate the complex education system, but had to also balance being mothers themselves. We all know that our journey was hard, but hats off to all of the ladies reaching their goals while raising small human beings. Today, we will highlight two of these amazing stories. First, we will hear from Julissa, who became a mother at 16, She talks about the amazing support system that allowed her to become the first one in her family to graduate from high school, college, and attend graduate school from there. And now she's earning her PhD. Then we will transition to Melissa, who took seven years to complete her degree. She never gave up. She persevered. She was a mother. She was working full time. And she played many, many roles. But she never gave up. After many late nights, many sacrifices, she was able to walk across that stage proudly and earn her diploma, as her oldest son was now enrolled in college himself. Super excited about this episode, so let's get started.
1: Hi, Julissa. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am great. It's so nice to hear from
0: you, Norma. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Why don't you tell
1: our audience a little bit about you? Hi, everyone. My name is Julissa Muñiz. I'm originally from a small border town along the San Diego and Tijuana border. San Isidro. I am a first gen, not only high school graduate, but now college graduate, master's graduate, and soon to be PhD graduate. I currently now live in Austin, but I'm a PhD candidate at Northwestern University in Chicago in the field of human development and social policy.
0: So I did not know that you were a first gen from high school. Tell me a little bit about your parents. What type of schooling did they get? And at what point did you realize, dang, I might be the first one to graduate from high school in my family?
1: I feel like I knew that actually at a very young age. Unfortunately, I knew from the kind of life circumstances that my brothers were facing that it like that. They perhaps would not finish high school, making me the next one in line to kind of finish. I grew up in a single parent household with my mom and my two older brothers who are 10 and seven years older than me. Growing up, education was very much impressed upon us. My mom really wanted us to continue going to school and would very vaguely obviously allude to college like, oh, you should go to college. But no one in my family until that point had gone to college. My nana was an immigrant to this country from Mexico. And my mom came over when she was three years old to Compton, California. And although she did go to high school in the United States, she was the oldest of seven. So once she hit those teen years, she took on a lot of responsibilities at home and caring for her younger siblings and eventually just decided to leave school and work full time to help support not just her siblings, but also help my nana out since she also was a single mother. So growing up, my mom did want more for us and she was very encouraging of us doing well in school think it was maybe like in the fifth grade at which point my mom stopped being able to like help me whether it was with math or English or whatever it might be but she was always my biggest advocate in school and was always encouraging me whatever opportunities teachers put in front of me she's like yeah go ahead and then right around that time my brothers were in high school and my oldest brother has a learning disability so he's always struggled with public schooling in particular at that time in the 90s there wasn't a whole lot of support for young people who receive special education services. Eventually, I think he was maybe in the ninth grade when he was pushed out. And then a couple of years later, my other brother was also pushed out of high school when he was a junior or an early senior. So I always knew at that point that I would likely be the first in my family to graduate from high school and go into college. So that's always been very motivating. And my family's always been very encouraging of me, wanting me to go to college. And growing up, because I tested for the GATE program, I always grew up hearing it from teachers, administrators, like, Julissa, you're so smart. Julissa, you're going to go to college. I don't exactly know what I could have been doing in those particular ages to stand out. But it got me a lot of support in school from counselors, from teachers, administrators. I ultimately felt supported my entire journey. So there was never any doubt that I would go to college, it was more what that would actually look like and what that actually meant as a first-time student that I didn't know. I didn't know that there was college applications, that you had to take the SAT and ACT. It was one of those things that I just
0: learned as I went. Definitely. I think we hear that a lot from the majority of our first gens. I think your story in particular, though, had an added variable to it. When you were in high school, you became a mommy. So there was that other variable on top of being a first gen and paving your way as you went through, you also became a very young mother. So tell us a little bit about what that was like and how you kept super motivated to finish high school and go on to college with everything else that was going
1: on in your life. I mean, it was tough. I think like most other young parents, whether teen mother, teen father, like you never expect it's going to happen to you until it happens to you. So I got pregnant the summer in between my ninth grade and 10th grade year. I did not know I was pregnant until it was like six and a half months. For months, I continued having this regular high school life. I was captain of my basketball team. I was an ROTC. I was student body president for my year. I was taking all these AP classes, right? Like I was just kind of continuing on the trajectory I had always been on. And then it was a couple months in, I actually remember it was basketball season. So, you know, we did a lot of preconditioning to get us ready for the season. I noticed that I was slowing down when we were playing, when we were running trails, but my stomach wasn't showing. So I just really didn't know. And I know people are always like, what do you mean you didn't know? I was one of those rare cases where you can be pregnant and continue to have a period and when I did find out obviously I was in shock and I didn't really know how to tell my mom or tell my family and I grew up in a very traditional Mexican household where all my life I'd heard if you get pregnant I'm gonna throw you out the house and you're not gonna stay here and of course it was a tactic to discourage me from those actions but when the time came I was terrified that my mom would not just be disappointed in me but wouldn't support me. And obviously without my mom's support, my family's support, what could I possibly do? Fortunately, when I did finally tell my mom, she was supportive. And I remember her exact words till this day where she said, the day I'll be disappointed in you is the day you drop out of school. For her, she was like, look, yes, this is happening. You're pregnant. You're going to be a young mother, but keep going and doing well in school. Because at that point, I was a great student. Actually, the year that I was pregnant, my sophomore year, I had a 4.63 GPA. So it wasn't like my grades had slipped or anything had slipped. And I think where I'm very fortunate is that when I did finally come to my principal and tell him my situation and what was going on, his immediate response, Mr. Espinoza, was like, okay, mija, what do we got to do to make sure you continue coming to school? And I remember he sent an email out to all my teachers and was like, we have to have a meeting around what Julissa needs to continue her education. And he did, you know, all my teachers sat around the table and we found a way that I would be able to finish my finals, complete the year and then transition into junior year, which, as we know, is one of our most important years academically, especially if you have dreams of going to college. And that was a very crucial moment in my trajectory. Yes, my teachers, I'm sure, were disappointed and had their fears that perhaps I wouldn't finish, but they didn't show me that. All they showed was that they were supportive, that they cared for me, and that together we were going to push through. And, you know, as a team, they were going to ensure that I graduated high school and that I went on to college.
0: What you are saying is extremely powerful on two fronts. On the first one, you have your mother, in the most powerful words that I think I've ever heard, tell you she is not disappointed because obviously life happened, but she would be disappointed if you dropped out of school. I mean, that is powerful in your brain, you began to develop this idea of success from a very young mind. And the idea of success was very much correlated to your education. And then on the second part, everybody rallied around you to make sure that this happened. And it doesn't happen to everyone. Did you just have really good people in your life? Or was it because from a very young age, you displayed some type of I don't know, call it quote unquote, talent that perhaps people wanted to ensure that got curated? I'm sure there's a lot of mothers out there, teenage mothers, that it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen, not necessarily because they don't want to, but because
1: they don't have this support system that you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I can think back to even around the time when I was pregnant, there were numerous other girls that were pregnant. I've had a chance to have that conversation with my principal. I do appreciate what he did for me, but that was not done for everybody. And I do think that unfortunately, what did in their mind set me apart was that I was already on a specific trajectory. The fact that I was in AP classes, that I was student body president, and that I was involved in all these these other extracurricular activities. So not only did I have teachers and administrators that supported me, but my coaches and my captain from ROTC, for them, maybe they had a little bit more to believe in me. Because of that, I do wish more young mothers, young parents, period, received that level of support. And I'm grateful that that was the case for me. But I know for sure that there were so many other brilliant young women at my school who similarly were deserving of that level of support. And for whatever reason, it wasn't extended to them. And I do know what that feels like. Because outside of school, whenever I would go to doctor's appointments, or at that time, I was also receiving WIC, women and infant children support. And I remember so many times people looking at me pregnant with immense pity and sorrow. And I clearly remember on numerous occasions, people making remarks like you had your whole life ahead of you. Or it's so sad to see a baby having a baby. And I understood what they were trying to get at, but when you're that young and you're already in that state of desperation, trying to figure out how are you going to survive, not just for yourself, but for your child, when you hear those things, they can actually have the adverse effect. It can be extremely discouraging and hurtful. So I do empathize with the other young women at my school that did not receive that support, and I wish that they had, and I wish that there There's a way that in all high schools and sometimes even in middle schools that we could extend that support to other young mothers because the desire is there, but that desire can only do so much without the safety net one would need to succeed. For sure. Yep. And we
0: have actually quite a bit of educators and counselors that listen to our podcast. And I just want to emphasize and underline here the difference that one individual can make in a situation like this, because it sounds like your principal really pulled through. I'm going to pivot here for a second. And I would love for you to describe to us what a typical day was like for you in high school, and then we're going to progress over to college. So here you are taking AP, you're still doing basketball, still doing ROTC, and have this small creature who who is crying for reasons we don't understand. And by the way, you still have to take your AP exam. So tell me a little bit about how you were able to juggle all the things that were happening as a high school student.
1: First thing that changed was obviously at the start of my junior year, which is when she was born. I did have to stop a lot of those extracurriculars. I started working when my daughter was three months old. So my average day started really early because I lived in Tijuana and I went to school in San Diego. So I was crossing the border every day, Monday through Friday to go to school. I started school at nine, meaning that on average, I was waking up and leaving my house between 5.30 and 6 a.m. in the morning, catching a bus that would then take me to down downtown area, get another taxi to the border. And then border waits are crazy. So on a good day, it might be an hour on a bad day, it might be two hours. So I would cross the border and then I would catch what is a trolley or like a train to the first stop, at which point I would walk to the school bus stop and get there by 9 a.m. So then I would be in school from like 9 to 4 and then I went into work at 5. I would work from 5 to sometimes 10.30, other times 11. Normally a friend of mine who I worked with would drop me off at the border and then I would either get picked up or catch a bus home. So I would get home between between like 11 and 12 or like midnight. I would do my homework from like 12 to 1.30. So yeah, I had long days. I had really long days. And then, you know, when I would get home, I would grab Amaris, my daughter, and be with her. It was a lot of sacrifice. These are conversations that I've had with my daughter numerous times. There would be some days where I wouldn't see her awake because when I would leave in the morning, she was asleep. And when I got home, she was asleep. But I also knew that I needed to graduate high school and I needed to go to college. Otherwise, the only thing I can offer her was a nine to five job making minimum And I knew what that life was like growing up with my mom. And I wanted to give her something else, more opportunities. So yeah, the first two years were rough. I didn't see her a lot. I missed a lot of milestones. I missed her first words, her first steps. But I needed to get us out of there. I needed to make sure that I got into college.
0: So what I hear a lot from you is this determination and maybe even some type of faith that the education system that you wanted to embark on would in essence be a ticket out of the life that your mother experienced, that my mother experienced. So tell me a little bit about now you are going to apply to college. How do you determine where you go to school? Because you have a support system, I'm guessing with your mother who's maybe helping to take care of your daughter. How do you make that decision of where to go And do you write about it in your college essay or how do you
1: present yourself? In California, which is where I'm from, we get a fee waiver. So you can apply to four UCs, the Universities of California, and then four California State Universities. That's eight schools. So I knew for sure I was applying to eight schools. And in picking my schools, I was like, okay, what are the schools I know I can get into or that I felt like I could get into? And I remember at the time choosing to apply to UC San Diego, UC Santa Barbara, maybe UC Santa Cruz, UCLA. And And maybe one other school, I didn't apply to Berkeley. I remember my drama teacher, Mr. Magnin, finding out that I hadn't applied to Berkeley. And he was like, why didn't you apply to Berkeley? I thought the recruiter spoke to you last year. I was like, yeah, but less than 10% of those that apply to Berkeley get in. And he was like, yeah, but you'll never know if you don't apply. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to waste my fee waiver on a school I'm not going to get into. So he was like, is that the only thing holding you back from applying? And I was like, yes. He was like, fine, I'll pay for your application. I don't want you to live with that doubt of what if. And then he's like, my ninth grade English class and myself are paying for your application. I told them a little bit about your story and they all donated towards your application. So at that point, I apply, I submit my application, which I think was due in November. And then in December, I got these supplemental questions from Berkeley. Part of what that indicated to me was like, hey, we're interested, we want to know more about you. So they ask for additional questions and they ask for a letter of recommendation. I submit all of that. Months go by and then comes March, which is typically when you find out I was one of the first people at my high school to ever be accepted into Berkeley. That was huge, not just because it was the number 1 public university and me as the first 10 student, that was great. More importantly, Berkeley has a pretty strong student parent community. They're actually a flagship institution for it. Not only do they have grants and scholarships, they have housing. They actually offered me a full paid scholarship for my daughter to attend their daycare That was ultimately the determining point. I knew that I was not only going to be supported academically, but that they were going to also support me moving to Berkeley with my daughter. So I did not know all of this about Berkeley
0: at all. I just had no idea that their parent support system was so strong, which is good to know. I think a lot of the other flagship universities could take note on that. So this is incredible. So you had a whole ninth grade class help you pay for this. It turns out you got it. And in many ways, they got it via you. And your daughter is now two. You are headed off to college. So tell me a little bit about what your college experience was like, because I'll tell you when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, My life was very much centered around my needs and wants, you know, if I wanted to stay up at a party, I did. And so I'm wondering what your college experience was like? Did you feel like you're still a normal college student? And then what the support system was like from your professors there?
1: I mean, yes and no. Obviously, I was still a traditional student in the sense that I came in at 18. But obviously, I was a non-traditional student moving in with a two-year-old. I lived in the student-parent housing community, which is called UC Village. But one thing that they did that was pretty incredible was my year that I came in, there was three other teen parents that came in, one of whom is still one of my best friends till this day, Genesee. There was almost like this built-in community where the Student Parent Center made sure that you also got to meet the other student parents, whether they were traditional, like me and Genesee, or whether you were meeting transfer students who were parents we still had a community where we supported each other. I was still able to attend study groups. I still built my community beyond just the student parent center. And I think another thing that facilitated that was very early on, I learned to advocate for myself. So I do remember on the first day of college, the student parent center is located within a building called the Cesar Chavez building, which has all the EAOP. So like all the first gen programs as well. So I remember my first day of college, I literally walked around that building and went into whatever offices I found and introduced myself and asked what do you do which in retrospect is hilarious to think that I did that at 18 but because of that I found out about the adjunct courses that you could take that would support you in your learning I learned about the free tutoring I learned about just all these like resources that existed even just within that one building for like first gen students of color so I actually met a lot of my college friends the more traditional college friends who did not have children there. So I always felt like I had one foot in the traditional college community and then another foot with the like transfer student parents, veterans, formerly incarcerated teen parents, you know, like it was just the gamut. And I wouldn't change that about my college experience. I'm glad that I got to meet people who were coming in from more traditional backgrounds because I don't know, we were all grinding in the same way. We all understood that we had other people to make it for. Also, my daughter had that community because my, friends were also coming in with children. When we had study groups, our kids could play together. So yeah, it wasn't the traditional college experience, but ultimately I did feel supported. And some of my closest friends till this day are from Berkeley. It sounds like
0: you created a beautiful support system from all walks of life, some that were very different, maybe than your life and some that you could relate to. I want to dig in a little bit to those nights, Lisa, when you just thought, man, this is just getting out of control. Like it's getting too hard. Did you ever have those thoughts? I might not make it. And if so, what pulled you through? I mean, I'm guessing it has a lot to do with your daughter and her being an inspiration. But I would just love to hear your thought process on those days that it. It just got really hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely got hard at moments, especially when she was younger. I remember one time my daughter ended up getting hand foot and mouth disease, which meant she couldn't go to daycare for like a week. But I still had midterms. I had to email all my professors and tell them, hey, this is my situation. And I thought I would have to miss class and just get notes from somebody else. And they're like, if you want, you can come to class with your daughter, whatever you have to do. And so she did. There was numerous times throughout my time at Berkeley that my daughter came with me. She came with me to lecture halls. She went with me to discussion sections. She went with me to study groups. She was just always with me when everybody knew her, whether it was my professors, my classmates. And I think one thing that I encourage other young parents is to not hide that you're a parent. I feel like in part, society has taught us to hide that identity because you don't want people to feel sorry for you or you don't want people to think you're any different. But like I found that when people knew that I was a parent, they're like, oh, cool. Okay. And they worked with you. So I've always kind of led with that. I've led with being who I am? What is the circumstance that I'm coming into this with? And I've kind of taken that approach in grad school, both my master's program and PhD program. I don't hide that I was a young mother. And I find that it's actually opened up a lot of doors and a lot of space for conversations. But it was hard, man, I'm not gonna lie. It was a lot of balancing. I felt like for years, I was probably sleeping terribly, because I couldn't just come home and start studying again. She got out of daycare around like 4.35 and I had to come home, make dinner, play with her, read to her, bathe her, get her ready for bed. So yeah, I mean, I kind of treated school like if it was my job. I was at school from nine to five and then I picked her up. I went home. She went to bed around like nine and then I continued studying. My days looked different, but I think the outcome was ultimately the same. Being a parent taught me time management, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like you had
0: to balance it all in different ways. And yeah, the time management piece, (laughs) I'll tell you, I don't think I've learned it until much later in my career. But it's so important to be able to have that. Tell me about the day you graduated. You are now going to walk across the stage. Does your daughter get to walk with you? Do you just like have her in your mind all the time? Tell me what goes through your mind as you're like, man, I did this. I became a first gen college student. And that
1: was a great day. It's probably one of my favorite memories. So I actually got to walk across the stage, not only with Amaris, but with my brother and my mom. Berkeley has what they call like a Raza graduation. Maybe the name of it has changed since, but it was like a Latinx-centered graduation for all of those that were graduating that year. And they allow you to walk across the stage with two people. Most people obviously walk with their parents, but I asked if I could walk not only with my mom and my brother but if I can walk with my daughter and of course they were like yes you can walk another thing that the student parent center does is that they give your kid like a little cap and gown so that they can wear with you as you walk across the stage because at the end of the day they've earned that degree as much as you they've been with you every step of the way I remember asking both my mom and my brother to walk with me and they were super excited our graduation was in the Greek theater this massive theater that's like kind of circular and everyone's in the stands looking down to the stage and I just remember that being a really powerful moment not just for me but honestly for my family my nana was the one that came to this country and to like see I guess in that moment what that meant for all of us my family was in the stands but then also to have my mom and my brother by my side walking in front of me was my daughter that was a beautiful powerful moment that I'll always cherish do you remember what Amra said to you that day I think she was just more excited I don't know that she like really understood like she was just like yeah mommy's graduating you know I think there was a level of excitement I remember the way she looked at me how proud she was along with my mom and
0: my brother yeah she was just six so she's like I get to wear this big dress cool mom That is too beautiful. I love that. And they allowed you obviously to walk with your daughter and that she's able to share that moment with you. So then it turns out that you're not done with school, that you're going to keep on going. And now you are a PhD student, maybe wrapping up here in the next couple of years with your research. So tell us a little bit about what it's been like now that Amaris is a little bit older and
1: how you have gone through graduate school with her. I mean, it's, Definitely I'm easier as the years have gone on, even still at Harvard. She still attended a lot of things with me, a lot of events, especially if they're like evening events. So there's a level of comfortability that Amaris has on campuses, which is a beautiful blessing. She remembers Berkeley. She obviously remembers being at Harvard and now in Northwestern. And she has her own dreams pursuing her own trajectory. It's gotten easier, I'll say that, but I think the balance has not changed. I would say that I still kind of similarly approach school as my job. On most days, I'm not going to say I'm successful all days, especially not right now as I'm dissertating, but I do still try to work from like nine to five and have evenings with my family. We have a new addition in the family with my fiance. So once he got in the picture, especially more so when I moved to Austin, which has been the past year, that was completely different. Because I went from being not just a single parent, but an only parent to now having a partner who supports me and my daughter just emotionally and just in all ways. So that's been a transition that coupled with the fact that my daughter is now 13 has allowed for more balance. Ultimately, I'm grateful for the fact that, yes, I was a parent throughout this time, but it definitely taught me the importance of balance. There was no way that my PhD program was going to be my whole life that just wasn't possible. I wasn't a traditional student. I can't spend 12 hours in the library. That's not fair to myself, but much less my family and my daughter. I still have to make time for her extracurricular activities and being present for her achievements. My biggest takeaway all these years has been striking that balance of life and well-being as well as pursuing your dreams.
0: I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And so my last question to you is, if you look back and reflect since the moment you were 16 until now, and you've gone through this very hard journey and very rewarding journey, what is it that you hope your daughter learns from your
1: experience? One thing I hope is that she follows her passion, yes, but that she also leans into the twists and turns that come with life. I think you can plan for your life to work out in a certain way, but life and the universe will ultimately take you in different directions. One thing I hope that she takes away from my experience and also just being around my other friends who had non-traditional trajectories is that even if life takes you down a path that you didn't anticipate or didn't plan for, you can still find the strength within yourself to redirect and lean into that new possibility. Maybe life is taking you this way, but what doors are there now in front of you? What opportunities are there now in front of you? And to always do that, surrounded by amazing people, right? Because I think that's something I've also taken away from my life experience. I'm not here because I'm incredibly intelligent or this or that. I've been a person that yes, I work hard, but I've also had a lot of people that have believed in me that have invested in me that have supported me in big ways and small ways and I hope she trusts humanity and people in those ways too and that she yeah leans into what the universe brings her way.
0: I love that. I think that those of us are planners can relate to what you're saying because life will throw a lot of things and we kind of just have to keep on going and keep on leaning into that strength that you have been able to do for so many years and with that we thank you so so much for being part of us and sharing your story
1: thank you i hope that there's some other young mothers or fathers parents period who finds a little bit of hope in what i've shared
0: Now we will transition over to Melissa Coronado, who will talk about her journey of perseverance and grit. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Why don't we begin with you telling our audience a little bit about you?
2: I am a Latina, born and raised in Houston, Texas, within a single-parent household. I lived most of my life in Southeast Houston, as well as Southwest Houston. I traveled a lot between the two parts of Houston, because my mom moved around a lot. And it was based on affordability. So we often went back and forth as the rent and things like that increased where we lived. So we kind of moved back and forth. So I went to two different high schools, I went to three different middle schools, and I went to two different elementary schools.
0: Wow. So tell me a little bit about your high school experience. It sounds like you're moving a lot. What's college always the goal or was it something you stumbled upon?
2: My mom came from Mexico. The biggest goal she had for me that she set was for me to graduate from high school, for me not to be a statistic and be part of the teenage pregnancy that was going on during the time. That was the two biggest goals that I needed to accomplish. We didn't really talk about college, It wasn't until when I went into high school and I started participating in sports that my coaches were the ones who told me about going to college. And that's the expectation that they set for me. At that point, it was about doing really well in school. I was an average student, but my coaches at Stephen F. Austin High School, they were very much like, you're going to be a student first and then an athlete, not the other way around. It was them who actually got me to focus and do better. And so with each year passing, I was like an average student, but then I started becoming a B student, then an A student. And before you knew it, I was in the National Honor Society, graduating top 10% of my class. I have to give them credit for setting those standards for me, because if it wasn't for them, I was just going through the motions and going to graduate and maybe go to community college afterwards. I didn't really have any long-term intentions. I was fortunate to receive a basketball scholarship for junior college in Hillsboro, Texas. I went there, all tuition paid, dorm, food, everything was paid for, for my first two years. And that's where I obtained my associate's degree.
0: So do you remember that day that you went home and told your mother, I'm going to go away to this junior college and I'm going to play basketball? What did your mother respond to that? And what was that interaction like?
2: So her first reaction was, who's going to help me with the things here at home? My mom was the primary caregiver for her mother, my grandmother, and she was in her early 80s and she was bedridden. So my mom, she was thinking she wouldn't be able to manage to care for her by herself. Also, she was elderly and she was sickly and she was also trying to work to make ends meet. So that was her question to me was, who was gonna help me? Couldn't I go to school there in Houston? I told her I could go to school here in Houston. However, we didn't have the financial means to pay for that. And staying home, caring for my grandmother, grandmother and working, I knew that I wouldn't be able to finish school as well. So I told her, you know, mom, it's a full paid scholarship for my two years. You will just have to make things work the way they are now without me. She wasn't happy about it. I had to send in money to pay for the Greyhound so I can go visit the college, do the basketball practice with the team to see if we were going to be a good fit. I did all that pretty much by myself and with the support of my coaches.
0: So it turns out that you do go and you do your two years, you play basketball. What happens after that? Most people then transition over from a junior college to perhaps a four-year institution. Was that what happened in your case?
2: No. So I was actually given an opportunity to go to Austin College, which is a four-year school. And I was given an opportunity to go play basketball over there for another two years so that I could complete my four-year degree. And when I told my mom about that, she again was like, I can't do this another two years by myself. caring for your grandmother, I need your help. At that point, I couldn't move forward with taking that opportunity. If anything happened to my grandmother, I didn't feel like I could deal with that. And so I turned away the opportunity of going to Austin College. And I decided to come back home and help my mom take care of my grandmother and go ahead and work and try the school thing. And so that worked out for like a semester. And then the work that I was doing at that time, they were not understanding with school and work schedules. And so they basically made me choose between going to school and working. And so I had to work.
0: And that was to be able to help your mom and therefore take care of your grandmother, right?
2: Yes, that's correct. I'm there during the day while my mom goes to work and then my mom comes home from work and then I go to work at night.
0: And it was just the three of y'all, a very matriarchal family there.
2: I had other siblings. My other siblings were 10 to 12 years older than me and they had their own life. I had one brother who lived in a different state. My sister was managing her own family. I had a brother who was in the United States Army. So he helped financially, but he couldn't really be there physically because he had committed for three or four years in the army. And so there was really no one else to help my mom with that situation
0: that makes sense. And I'm guessing you were probably on the younger side. So that kind of was on you.
2: Yeah, I am the baby and my mom was the baby. So it was kind of like expected. She's taking care of her mother, she made those sacrifices. So it's kind of like I'm the baby and I need to make those sacrifices as well.
0: And unfortunately, it happens a lot of the times. And it often happens to women more than men, where we are expected to do certain things for the household. So then continue on. Tell me you are taking care of your mother and your grandmother. And so at what point do you- you'd come back to college.
2: I want to say that after I got married and decided to have a family right away, a lot of that was motivated with my mom. She almost passed away and I felt like, oh, my mom almost died and she didn't get to see me get married. She didn't get to see me have grandchildren. And the doctors told me we're very fortunate to still have her around. So that gave me a better perspective of what was more important to me at that point in time. So we decided to get married and have children. It wasn't until about three years after I had my firstborn that I decided to try again and go back to school I talked to my husband about it and he was very supportive and he said if that's what you want let's do it and so I was going night school first and I did that for about I would say like a year and a half and then I got pregnant again when I got pregnant with my second child I was a little upset because it was an unplanned pregnancy but my husband said don't worry we'll get them old enough and then you can go back again so he's always been very supportive and encouraging me it wasn't until my two boys I think they were probably Probably like 12 and eight years old, I decided to go back and finish my four year degree at University of Houston downtown.
0: I want to unpack a lot of what you just said. So, the first time that you have your first son, what motivated you to go back? I mean, he's a little boy, and obviously, you are a mother, you are a wife, you are working a full time job. What is it that triggered something in your brain that said, I'm going to do this? I know I can do it. Was it a moment? Was it a motivation?
2: It became more important to me once I had my son in my arms, because how could I tell my kids that school is important and education is going to open opportunities for you if I don't be that example? I always wanted to finish, but life happened a lot to me and it presented very many challenges. And so that was my motivation because I knew that in this world, you need a piece of paper to justify the positions and the finance of what you're worth at work. And so I just didn't want not having that piece of paper to prevent me to being able to afford a good lifestyle, give me options to choose from. The final thing was my son. I wanted to be a good role model for him and show him, that you can get your education and how important it is for you.
0: So it sounds like it was a combination of things, maybe in your job, you feel like you weren't able to progress because of this piece of paper, but also because how could you push this idea of college into your son when you hadn't done it yourself. So it might have been a couple of those things. So tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you encounter the first time that you went back. You just describe to me like your everyday life. I imagine you're working, you're being a mother, you're being a wife, you're being a student. So just walk me through your typical day of what your life would have been like like?
2: I would have been working an eight to five type of job at that time. And then right after work, going straight to the university, being there for the evening class, possibly being there for either an hour and a half to three hours, either once or three times a week, and then sticking around even longer if I needed to go to the library to do some research or to just concentrate on doing homework before I come back home. And so I often would not coming home until late at night. And at that point, my kids are waiting for me to just put them in bed or just talk to them or read them a book. Once they went in bed, then I was able to also do some more homework until it was like wee hours of the night, maybe till two o'clock in the morning. I can recollect often that my boys, as they were growing up, they remembered a lot of times waiting for me and maybe sleeping on the couch because I was up doing homework and they just wanted to be near me. It was missing out on family gatherings, missing out on traveling. There was a lot of those types of sacrifices, but I, I knew that one day would come when I would be done with school and then I could participate in all those things. But at that time, I knew that it was a sacrifice I had to make.
0: So, what I think it's fascinating about this is that oftentimes what we hear is the opposite. We are the ones staying up. We, as in the students, are staying up until very late hours. And I just remember my mom just sitting with me on the couch, even though she has a third grade education. So, she couldn't help me with my homework, but she would just sit there and just basically accompany me through the night. And I think what you're describing is literally the opposite. You are the one doing the homework, and your son's sitting there, like, All right, mom, you got this, mom. And also, like, I want your time, mom. So, tell me a little bit about that feeling of pulling and pushing you want this so badly. But at the same time, I'm sure there is some sort of guilt associated with man, I want to spend more time with my family.
2: I really try to manage or parent without parenting with guilt. I know that's a lot that parents face. I have friends and family that practice that by looking from the outside at them. I learned that lesson early on that the best way for me to parent was to parent without guilt and just have an open relationship with my family, letting everyone know this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing, this is why I can't go to your birthday party, this is why I can't. Go to your anniversary. This is why I can't be there to do that. You know, just talking to them about it and having that dialogue with them, I think relieved that pressure of parenting by guilt. So I feel like setting that boundary earlier on made it work for me.
0: I love that. I had never heard of this concept, parenting without guilt. I love it because I think a lot of the moms that are hearing us and that are thinking about going back to school have to obviously have those channels of communication open, but also know that they're doing this for the betterment of their family and trust that the children will understand that. So do you remember having those conversations with Josue or Noe on why am I doing this and what do they say?
2: This happened a while back, but I feel like they knew where I was going. They were very supportive. Their dad talked to them all the time about where I was and what I was doing if I wasn't there. He would also say, give your mom some time to herself. She needs to be able to concentrate on this and that. And also they remember me staying up with them late at night, helping them with their science projects. I always made time for the important things, for the things that needed to count. And so they remember winning their first place in the science fair because I was there along their side, helping them along the way. So I feel like they didn't, yes, they missed out on the time, but we had a lot of quality time together as well. And I think that offset anything as far as being concerned about it or being upset about not having all those other times. I feel like they were very understanding.
0: And just because I know your son, he is incredibly proud of you in a way that I find truly beautiful and inspiring. So then it turns out that it takes about seven years for you to complete your degree at the University of Houston downtown. Is that correct?
2: Yes, because I would take one or two classes at a time per semester. I would either take an online class and it would be a three week session, which was a winter break, or I could do a summer break. So I was going to school all the time because I could not manage a full time class schedule and working full time and being a parent. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to chip this away, no matter how long it's going to take me. And if I can take two, I'll take two. If I can take three, great. But it depended on not the structure, but you know how complicated the class was going to be, how much time it was going to demand for me. So I would assess that when I would register for my classes. So I was literally going to almost every semester, summer one, summer two, winter, fall, spring, I was literally taking at least one class per semester so that I can keep going and try to finish. And it took me seven years. I think the hardest part for me was not the classes, but it was what life threw in front of me. I remember it was my senior year, my last semester, and I was about to graduate when my brother, who was very much like a father figure for me, was going to succumb to his battle with cancer he lived in a different state. And with my family, my other siblings, we all drove to go see him in a different state to be with him his last few days on this earth. And I remember sitting next to his bed in the hospital room. And I'm thinking, how am I going to concentrate You know, when my brother's next to me passing away? And I'm trying to take my midterm exam for my last semester. And I just stayed focused. I stayed focused and I tried to do what was important to me, which was to be there for my brother, to let him know that he wasn't alone and also stay focused focus and finish so that my family could be proud of me.
0: It sounds like you continued to persevere through the lows and the highs. And I just know that seven years is a very long time. And a lot of people would have quit, Melissa, and you didn't. And I'm trying to understand where that motivation and the grit comes from. Because seven years is a long time. And as you mentioned, life happens all the time. And so I love what you said. You're just going to keep on chipping away. So where did you get that idea from? At the end of the day, if it would have taken 10 years... I'm sure you would have done it. What kept you going and going and going?
2: I think it has to be my family, my kids, my mom, my grandma. It was all of them I was doing it for. So do you
0: remember the day that you actually graduated seven years later? You're about to walk through that stage. What's going through your mind?
2: I was grinning from cheek to cheek. <laughs> I had the biggest smile that I could show. I had graduation pictures and I'm just grinning from ear to ear. I remember doing my hat saying that I did it through ganas, having ganas to get it done. Like you said, having that grit to fight through, I felt like to persevere, I had to dig deep down. On that. And then I think that's something that I saw my mom struggling and just making it through, pushing through life. And I'm hoping that I take after that, that my kids motivate me my husband supporting me it truly took a village to get me to where I am I didn't get there by myself yes I put in a lot of hard work but I had a really good support system that got me through it so what
0: differences have you seen now that you have this college degree in your career so at the beginning you mentioned part of the reason why you did decide to go back is because you wanted some advancement in your professional career so were you able to get that and if so what did that look like?
2: Yes, I do feel like having a degree is going to allow you to move up. In the past, when I had my associate's degree, I wanted to move up at a small company and they told me I could move up, but that I wasn't going to get paid like somebody else who was in that position who had a degree because I didn't have a four-year degree, even though I had a two-year degree. That was starting to motivate me like, okay, I do need to go back to school.
0: And even though you were going to work the same hours and do the same jobs...
2: Exactly. And so I thought that I should position myself to get that degree. And once I get that degree, I thought about what kind of degree did I want? Initially, I was thinking about getting a degree in management information systems, because back then the tech industry, there was a great demand. But then at the end, it became flooded with too many people in that. And so I decided to get my degree in business administration with a focus in management. And I felt like that type of degree would not pigeon me in the corner where that's all I could do. I felt like having a BBA in management was going to give me a broad range of options that I could choose from because I didn't know what career path I was going to take. I was just trying to work someplace, be stable, and have my degree to support that. And so I ended up working for a healthcare system for the next eleven years, and they had a tuition reimbursement program, and they were also supportive with my school schedule. So they allowed me to come in, start my day late at work. They allowed me to work late. They allowed me certain days to work from home and that way I can go to school from there. So they were very flexible and supportive in that area. And then it helped me financially too with the reimbursement program. It also provided me opportunity for promotions. They saw that I was working towards my degree. And then once I had my degree, they continued to promote me from within the system. Four years after I got my degree, I felt like I wanted a change and I wanted to pursue more in a consulting role. That's when I transitioned and I left the healthcare system to go over into consulting with that finance wise had a better opportunity to go ahead and have an increase in pay working from home better benefits so i think it provided me much more opportunity having a degree
0: yeah it sounds like obviously you had a really good support system but you also had a really good job that kind of allowed you to pivot and be flexible with your time schedule So I have two last questions. My first one is, what advice or tips do you have for mothers that are thinking about going back to school? And you've experienced it all. You've experienced it going back to school with little babies. You've experienced going back to school with a little bit older children. So perhaps tips for both stages would be helpful. Any advice for anyone out there that's listening to us that's pondering on this idea of going back to school to finish their degree?
2: I would recommend that they... Focus on their goal, which is at the end of the day, they want to get their degree. So stay focused on that and not allow life to get in the way because you're going to get through that no matter what. Some days are going to be harder than others, but staying focused on you're going to get that piece of paper and no one could ever take that away from you. Having that education, you may lose a job. You may have a broken up family. You know, you may think other things can fall apart, but no one could ever take your education from you. I feel like that in itself is empowering. And when you feel empowered, you feel like you can get through life and you can be that role model for other people. I would say stick with it. Try to find a good support system, whether it's a spouse or whether it's a best friend, whether it's a family member, your mom, dad, find a strong support system that will be there for you when you need that uplifting and don't give up. Life happens, but keep pushing through it and it'll be all worth it at the end.
0: I love your advice here. So remember the why. Why are you doing this? And the focus, and then the grit and the perseverance. And then lastly, ensuring that you're wrapping yourself up with a good support system. And I think all of it is important and all of it is needed for someone to be able to complete their degree that happens to be a mother as well. My last question for you now that you are a first generation college graduate and that you have one son that already graduated from college, obviously, and then also. has his master's. And then you have another son who is currently in college. When they look at you and when they think about you, what is it that you hope that they've learned from you and your journey?
2: I would hope that they learn that you do have to make some sacrifices and that those sacrifices are just temporary sacrifices. Because if you sacrifice your education, you can give up on that dream. And that's hard to get back. As time goes, it gets harder and harder. And I feel like if you sacrifice these other things like going to parties or celebrations, all those are little temporary sacrifices. I don't think they equate to the sacrifice on shorting yourself the opportunity long term of what you could be getting with having an education. So I feel like whenever Things get hard for them. I hope they look back and say, I remember my mom sitting on the couch till two in the morning, or I remember my mom being there helping me with my project and also taking care of her homework. If she can do that, this is easy. I can get this done. I can get through this. I don't have a family. I'm just totally focused on my education. I don't have to sacrifice all these things that my mom did, but maybe that will give them the grit that they need to push through whenever they find challenging times ahead of them.
0: That's extremely beautiful, Melissa. And I just want to commend you as an external human being that happens to know a bit about your family, not just obviously on your degree and everything that you've gone through, but also on creating good human beings that really care about the world. And I think Josue is one of those human beings that is really in it to leave the world better than he found it. And I attribute that to you and the upraising that you've given him. While at the same time, by the way, kicking butt and doing all these things for your career?
2: Well, thank you. I can't say that I could have done it by myself. There's no way. And I want to take this time to say that, yes, I'm on the forefront of a lot of these things, but behind me is a huge group of people that care about my family, which are my friends, my coworkers, my husband, my in-laws, my immediate family, and teachers and coaches. There's a whole long line of people behind me. I'm just in the forefront. I couldn't have done it without their support support either to influence my kids as well
0: it takes a village and I think that's what we keep on hearing over and over again in the stories it's a village and we can't do it alone and we surely are not going to make it if we don't rely on a huge support system well Melissa this has been an amazing conversation we thank you so much for your time we look forward to hearing back again and having also some of your children on the podcast
2: all right it was my pleasure and we look forward to it
0: Being a first-generation college student is hard, no doubt about it, but adding another variable of being a mother adds another layer of complexity as we heard from our two guests today. These ladies show an exceptional level of perseverance in the midst of sacrifice while keeping their goals of wanting to provide more opportunities for future generations. We learn from them about being self-advocates, of having open lines of communication with their children, always ensuring that the children understood the why the mothers needed to continue and advance their own careers. So, to all the mothers out there, those that are 1st gens themselves, and those whose shoulders we stand on, we thank you and honor you, not just today on Mother's Day, but every day, as we continue to build upon legacies of perseverance and determination. Until next time.